lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. No, Thursday. You know when you're having this much fun? The days just run together. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. Jam-packed show for you today. Let us know what you think about what we think. I'll tell you about it here in a moment. But first, remember that you can always email us, steve at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E is how to spell the last name. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show and Getter and get clips of the show that are free of censorship and also free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. I mentioned jam-packed show for you today uh, towards the end of the show. We're going to talk about a, talk about a new book uh, with its author, which gets into what's called national conservatism and how to rediscover conservatism. We haven't nerded out on conservative ideology in a while on the show. So I thought, <clears throat> let's nerd out a little bit. Probably because so, we don't know what the heck it is. Well, that's that's one of the reasons why I gave up trying to define it myself. To me, to me, it's always been an observational science. You're looking at, down through history at what has been proven to be by history itself and history's architect and engineer and um, orchestrator what has proven to be good, true, and beautiful for human flourishing. As best we can do east of Eden, knowing that because we're east of Eden, utopia is not possible, and the worst forms of atrocity always occur every time we forget that. That's kind of how we've handled it on this show. So we've got someone who has written quite the exhaustive look at maybe trying to quantify that a little bit further. And he's a representative of the Edmund Burke Foundation, and that's a thinker that I think a lot of people respect. So we'll get into that coming up towards the end of the show. Aaron will have three non-political questions here at the bottom of the hour. I think Todd and I, knowing what one of them are, I think we will fight. So you, um, and I don't mean, you know, uh, we're, we don't fight here the way Lindsay and, 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 and Hackety do, right? When when really we're just exchanging love taps and I mean some people would maybe even consider it to be foreplay. I think we have a real substantive disagreement here on this stage between Todd, who every once in a while likes to let you know he can be really wrong, and that'll happen here at the bottom of the hour, <laughs> no. and then me. All right, so uh, we will we no will get to that. Now, I'm not I'm not I'm just calling the weather forecast, brother. I'm not making a straw man. No, that's yeah, a big looks old like there's straw some, man. Yeah, it looks like Todd, some clouds on the horizon. Slot. <laughs> <laughs> great reference great reference um also i uh, mercifully and nobody complained by the way i didn't get a single email from somebody saying after i announced this last week no man every chapter all the way to the end in fact i had people tell me you know what i had to just start the book on my own separate from your study to see is it really that painful i couldn't get past the first couple chapters it yes is the answer it is that painful so we have, as we've come to the end of Scott Atlas's book, our, our first book study series, we're doing three of them this year for Theology Thursday, uh, trying this year to understand now that it's out in the open more than ever, trying to study the beast known as the spirit of the age and its natural habitat and learn from the way it operates so that we can gain proper intel on how to defeat it in our day and age. And the first book we're starting with is Scott Atlas's A Plague Upon Our House, where he talks about his time at the end of the Trump White House 
uh, trying to fight back against COVID, which was actually what was ending the Trump White House. And as we got closer to the end, we thought it might be the end of us. All right. So I made the decision last week to cut it down to two more. Todd was even at the point that he was exhausted with the with the amount of bile that spews forth, forth from these chapters. But being that he is Todd, of course, he would not come to me and ask me to relent. Um, but you were you were obviously thankful when I voluntarily did. You didn't fight me either. I offered you no barriers to doing no. whatever you needed to do. And I didn't even ask Aaron what he thought. And I believe you just reflexively blurted out, oh, thank God. Okay, <laughs> or something along those lines. All right, so we're going to look at this for two more weeks. Next week, we're going to get into the conclusion of the book because I do think... That is absolutely a valid, worthwhile conversation. And then there's what we're going to talk about this week, next hour. This is the chapter when Atlas brings some of the alternative experts that we had on our show or we quoted on our show. He brings them secretly into the White House to meet President Trump themselves one on one. And and, and I think that this is a conversation we need to have particularly if we're talking about that same president running for president again and us investing at least some portion of our hopes and dreams and futures into uh, his candidacy because this exchange and what did and what did not happen after it occurred, I think is it's a vitally important conversation for us to have before we do run it back in 2024. So we will do that coming up for Theology Thursday next hour. But before we get to all of those Uh, Zany hijinks. Let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by We Hardly Knew Ye. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced yesterday he's pausing the newly created Ministry of Truth. He announced the so-called Disinformation Governance Board on April 27th, meaning it lasted just two Scaramucci's, about three quarters of a Scaramucci, less than CNN+. Washington Post headline from Taylor Lorenz, how the Biden administration let right-wing attacks derail its disinformation efforts. Check out the picture and description Lorenz used for this story. Enhance, enhance. Quote, Nina Yankowitz, who served as a Fulbright fellow, works in a press room at Vladimir Zelensky's campaign headquarters in 2019 in Kiev, Ukraine. Yankowitz was recently named the head of the Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board. But that's not all. As Ron DeSantis spokeswoman Christina Pusha pointed out on Twitter yesterday, Yankowitz actually worked for a Ukrainian organization funded by the U.S. government that did PR for the Azov Battalion, you know, literal Nazis. So I'm sure that had nothing to do with the dissolution of the board. Speaking of Ukraine, former President George W. Bush was trying to condemn Russian President Vladimir Putin yesterday during a speech at his George W. Bush Institute when this happened. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine, (laughs) Iraq, anyway, uh, (laughs) 75. That is the Freudian slip of all Freudian slips. Let's listen to that again. And uh, the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq, I mean, of Ukraine. 
Moving on, a Democrat witness testifying before the House Judiciary Committee on baby killing Wednesday declared that men can get pregnant and kill their babies. What do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Okay. Um, do, Do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. Amy Arambide is the executive director of the baby killing nonprofit Avow Texas. She continued. So, so abortion should be allowed then by your definition for any reason, for any purpose, at any stage, right? I trust people to make decisions about their body. And then when relevant, I think that they need to consult their medical p- practitioners. OK. And not is, if it is. Listen, let me just ask you this question. If it is not lawful and morally acceptable to take the life of a 10 year old child, I assume you agree with that. Right. That would be wrong. Correct. I believe that. Okay, and a two-year-old child, same thing. That would be murder. We would all agree that's wrong. Then what is the principal distinction between the human being that is two years old or nine months old or one week old or an hour old than one that is eight inches further up the birth canal in the utero? What's the difference? Why is it okay in the latter case and not the former cases? I trust people to determine what to do with their own bodies. Wow. Full stop. Checking in on MSNBC and TV personality Donnie Deutsch. We, we don't have the economy on our side as Democrats. So you have to scare the bejesus out of people. The way to scare it is say, you know, this replacement theory, this is not just coming from some dark corner of the web. This is the Republican platform. Make them own it. He's talking about the great replacement and American Marxist strategy to marginalize white people through immigration. Joe Biden's approval rating has hit a new low in the NPR Marist College poll. He's sitting at 39% favorable to 56% unfavorable. Amongst Gen Z and millennials, he's minus 40, 26 to 66. He's also underwater by nearly 30 points with independents. Another pro-Democrat poll, Quinnipiac, finds his approval rating at an all-time low with Hispanics, 26 approved to 60% disapproving. And now this. You remember this Idaho mom in 2020 who was arrested by police for taking her kids to a playground during the lockdowns? You guys gotta go. Let's go get your kids. So you're saying it's it's closed right here? I am saying the playground is closed. Her name is Sarah Brady and her story didn't end with that arrest and this mugshot. According to Michelle Malkin writing at the UNS Review, Two years later, she's still being prosecuted by Idaho's Republican Attorney General for misdemeanor trespassing. Two years later, dozens of online status hearings, two suspended trial dates, and tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees, Brady now awaits a May 31st hearing on her motion to dismiss the single misdemeanor charge on constitutional grounds. That Republican Attorney General, Lawrence Wasden, who's won the job five times, was beaten in a primary election this week by former Idaho Congressman Raul Labrador. And that's what happened while we were away. Yeah, we featured that story in the conclusion of Fauci and Bargain. Her husband, also a cop. That same police force, as I recall. Yeah. So, I mean, those are his peers, his friends on the force that arrested his wife at the park for taking her kids there. Bet they've had some awkward conversations around that um, uh, that, uh, Idaho police local over the last couple of years, eh? One would hope. Uh, I would hope. Uh, Indeed. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Freedom Project Academy. If you are looking for options uh, to get away, if possible, from government school indoctrination this fall, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, 
Um, here's one. They have perfected online academy learning. I can't give them a better endorsement than I subjected my own son to Freedom Project Academy for a couple of years. I know the people who started this school. We were in the trenches together in the fight against Common Core last decade. So these people get it. Uh, this is a classical education. You're going to learn mastery of subject matter. That matters. Uh, you're not going to learn mastery of spirit of the age propaganda. Uh, and you're also going to be taught how to think, not what to think. Critical thinking is a must at FPA. If you want to get a free information packet, get it right now because spots are already filling up for the fall. Get it for free at freedom4school.com. That's freedom4school.com. Coming up in today's overtime, we're going to get into the debate that has transpired on social media the last couple of days about the cover of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. And I just think I might be uniquely qualified to comment on this for two reasons. One, I have fought my own battle with the bulge and very publicly over the last 10 plus years. And then number two, I used to work for Sports Illustrated, like recently. I know the management there firsthand. I had my own run-ins with them and how they tried to smear me and, and chop up my work here at The Blaze and edit it and make it look like I had said things that I had not said and then tried to uh, smear me with that. <clears throat> and then I beat them uh, when they tried it. I beat them uh, and got my position restored. And then shortly after I made my point, I'm like, I'm not working with these fiends anymore. Then I resigned after I made one and made my point. But... I have some firsthand experience with this, and I want to discuss it in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace, because if I thought this was about expanding the definition of beauty to something that is more achievable to the modern American woman, as opposed to an unattainable standard that may um, actually cause even more shaming and cause us to even more now circle the drain well i guess i can't I, I can't reach that standard so i might as well eat even more i might as well you see them if i thought that's what they were trying to do i probably would not care and we wouldn't discuss it on this show as three guys having worked for them i'm fairly convinced and fairly confident that's not what they're trying to do here so we'll talk about that in the overtime today. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Again, that's where you can go to watch it later today. We'll record it right after today's show, and then it will be uploaded for you to watch there at BlazeTV.com slash Dace. And that's also where you can go to get a discounted subscription today to Blaze TV, just 10 bucks a month. Let's get to what's in the montage. And Todd, I want you to share with the audience when I sent you guys that link that Yankowitz is that her name or Yankowitz is how's it pronounced I don't know scary poppins <laughs> and by the way the 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 using scaramucci as a term of that was exactly <clears throat> measuring time yeah that's that was freaking brilliant brother okay but um let's just go with scary poppins okay or Karen uh but when um when I sent you guys this morning that photo of scary poppins in basically Zelensky's control room, okay, war room to get trying to get him elected head of Ukraine in 2019. I think it was. Just share with the audience what your reaction to seeing that was. What? That's what my reaction why, was. Why did you have that reaction? Because it was just earlier this week, or maybe it was last <clears throat> week, when I was talking about what, uh, yeah, it was earlier this week, uh, Mitch's motivations were mm -hmm. for going over to Ukraine. Yes. 
and it ain't just some humanitarian mission. There, there's just something fundamental of Ukrainian impeachment, uh, Trump's phone calls, Biden's son there. This is, this is, honestly, Putin and Russia are a side character in this entire thing. What in the hell is going on that that twit was over there running ops in 2019 on this thing? Folks, this, we are so far down. It's what Aaron said yesterday. What's real? What is real? I have no idea and none of us do. And maybe, maybe my suggestion was that ditches and he's starting, even he's starting to get a little tired of all this. No, no, he's probably in on it. Yeah. Far more likely him and his wife have become mind numbingly wealthy the longer they've been in the Senate. No, 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 no. Dude went over there to figure out, you know, what the state of his investment was more than anything else. Do you guys still have the Tesseract? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I mean, um, Ditch and Biden on this are are not a Venn diagram. They're concentric circles. They overlap. That's fine, too. Okay. So is this just the greatest money laundering yes. operation yeah. of all time? Uh, yeah. Think about the fact that it's clear most of us had no idea who this woman was until they announced this effort a couple None. of weeks ago right and so there may we're like, and then you and then you see all the youtube clips and the, she's just nuts okay and and you're like wow they clearly didn't do their homework on her that's what we were all thinking right that's what we were all thinking then you see that photo and you're like wait a minute it's the exact opposite she's been in the spirit of the ages pipeline she's been they were working her through the farm system man they had her. They had their eye on her. I mean, she was shall dare we say, groomed for this. This is just the next stage in her evolution, her corporate escalation. This didn't come out of nowhere. They've had their eye on her for quite a while. She's been working their angles behind the scenes for a while. They viewed. They viewed her. Who, the, who alternative media turned into a justifiable, laughable punching bag in about 10 minutes. They had been grooming her for at least a few years now for more of a position of prominence. And the idea that, her, that these two things overlap and she's the common denominator, she's not the common denominator. Whoever's behind her and behind all of this, that is your common denominator. I don't know if it's, maybe it's just me. But when you read the news or you watch the news transpire today. Now over there on, what is it that uh, uh, our colleague Dave Rubin describes it as the mental asylum, the televised mental asylum that is MSNBC, is that what he calls it? They just are now openly saying, we're just going to have to literally scare the hell out of people because we don't have any objective data points to run on. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take our own talking point, as Aaron pointed out. This great replacement theory, it's had other iterations and names. Some of you might remember in the old, in the early Tea Party days, was it Agenda 21, right? It, this, has had, this has had different iterations. Demography is destiny. Remember that talking point from the Obama years, Okay. Uh, and, and what's funny is, <laughs> what's funny is, 
is is the same people who threatened us with this in the Obama years are now staring at a 26% approval rating amongst Hispanics. <laughs> Dope. And that's coming off the presidency of the guy who ate a taco bowl salad on Cinco de Mayo and tweeted it out. Uh, <laughs> Todd, Todd, you had forgotten about that. Uh, went after the quote, one Mexican judge. Uh, all they do is send us their rapists and thugs and criminals. We're going to build a wall. So, uh, and, and, and by the way, that guy also got the highest percentage of, of working class Hispanic votes of a Republican in modern American political history, by the way. All right. So on the heels of that, of those two, of those two events here, they now stand with a 26% approval rating with Hispanics as we stand right now. And that's coming from Quinnipiac guys. Take it from somebody who studies this stuff, Quinnipiac, amongst the public polls that have a brand, is maybe the most pro-democratic one. It's certainly in in terms of its bias. It's in the conversation. So if Quinnipiac is telling Democrats that it's 26%, what is it really, do you think? But this is their theory. This is their thing. They've been peddling this under different iterations for the last couple of decades. And so there's Donnie Deutsch on MSNBC. Hey, we, we, we're just going to have to, you know, we have to lie and scare people. We have to take our talking point, our plan, our agenda, and we're going to have to scare people into thinking it's theirs over there. When you live now at a time that all of the stuff that we used to just theorize, that this is what they really meant, or this is where they would go someday, and suddenly, without any prompting, suddenly that day just arrived on every front. Yes. You see it in the video of the woman that they put up for a, they put up for an appointment. Or no, they put up for testimony at, uh, in Congress yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I can just kill it whenever you want. And you can even see she ponders her point. She stops to think about the questions, almost as if she's never even thought of it before. And then... then Remember how I've described for you in the past trying to have a conversation with a Jehovah's Witness and I've talked about the conditioning? You want to know what it looks like? It looks like that video, guys. That's exactly what it looks like. Stop to ponder, oh, new information. Oh, a line of questioning I hadn't considered. And then what does she revert to? Does she does she come up with a, another layer of reasoning for why she still thinks what she thinks? Does she do that? Nope. No. She Nobody just repeats does. the talking point and then says full stop. That's a cult. That is a cult. You just watched yesterday in the United States Congress. A cult member showed you cult behavior on camera, live, and in living color. And the more and more you see the way things are going down these days, how ridiculous some of these stories are. The, the picture going around of the this latest now trans uh, tranny athlete. I'm like, dude, man, when you showed up at Little Red Riding, Riding Hood's house, she was like, my grandma, what a square jawline you have, okay? This stuff is so over the top. It's so ridiculous. It's so obvious that you, you, you can't help. If you understand the signs of the times in which we live, you cannot help but wonder if everything that we are witnessing now, every contest every issue, and every controversy is specifically devised to create a sorting. 
specifically devised to create a sorting. Specifically devised, almost like a census, who will comply and who will not. Who will think, who will not, who will hold on to their truths and values, and who will not. Because I can just tell you, it's certainly not being presented to generate the outcome of a conversation or a debate or a discussion. As you've been saying recently, Todd, we're post-argument now. These things are not and not being talked about or being discussed. And hell, it's not even just on the other side. We just saw in the Pennsylvania Senate primary. Uh, she's just not electable. Okay, by what standard? Not, not, not electable, can't win. Okay, why? Uh, it says crazy stuff about uh, homosexuality and Islam. Okay, well, the last guy that uh, Republican, the first Republican that won that state since 1988 said crazy stuff about virtually everybody else. He won the state probably twice. They stole it from the last time. Actually, he's one of the ones out there now saying she can't win. By what standard? See, is that meant? Is that meant to? Is that meant to provoke a conversation? Is that meant to have a con- a discussion? Who's the best candidate here? Is that meant to do that? No, no. It's meant to shut the conversation yes. down or to sort. What is one of the things Rick Grinnell said to Ali Stuckey? Did you guys notice this? Okay, so word is just out now that you're fine with criticizing uh, Trump-approved candidates. He told her this. That's a freaking cult. So if somebody's Trump approved, we, they, they cannot be criticized. They can't be vetted. Hey, Trump has spoken. Uh, now I'm going to portray. Wait, wait, uh, so say we all. It is finished. That's where we are. Everywhere we turn, the conversation is not devised for a conversation to therefore then occur afterwards. For there to be a discussion. For there to be a debate, a dialogue. It's to sort. What side are you on? Will you comply? Will you not? Will you think for yourself? Will you not? Will you hold on to what you know is true or will you not? Gentlemen, your thoughts. (laughs) I think everything is just Epstein's Island now. (laughs) It really is. Uh, that's what the Ukraine is. I think if, I honestly, I think that's why we're sending all this money over there. Why the Ukraine flags need to fly is because if we find out exactly how deep that rabbit hole goes, yikes. I think the same is with pharma and medicine. As Steve will tell you, he's, in the past, we're going to be telling you more about that in the future. Uh, there's so much darkness so much darkness running this world and there's so many tentacles in it at every way people have bought into it there's they've compromised themselves to to have the comfort that i regularly talk about has seduced them into first unknowingly perhaps compromising things and then just being addicted and needing to stay on it and then increasingly willing to say and do anything uh There, there, it's a time for choosing. I, again, you're just catching me in that moment again where I'm struggling to find anew the words that finally snap people because you're all drunk. 
you're absolutely all drunk if you think anything resembling a return to normal is anything but your own death sentence or when you're dead in the ground your children's well done on the other hand though <laughs> <laughs> There's all. <laughs> Todd has a wonderful singing voice. There's always, there's always yoga and margaritas. I'm sorry. That's perfect. I don't even remember what I was going to say. It doesn't matter, but say something anyway. It doesn't matter. On the other hand, it's actually good that the darkness is outing itself now. At least the lines are being drawn every day, which is better than we could have asked for five six seven years ago we had a feeling but we had a feeling and we had uh whispers back then and we knew back then but now they're just openly telling us your children belong to us if we can't abort them then they belong to us once they do come to us we are going to give them uh, uh we're going to give your five-year-old uh uh puberty blo- blockers and transition them and groom them and then once they're old enough uh, to vote, they will be permanent wards of art. That's, they're telling you this now out in the open. That's good. We can win in an environment where there's black and white. Amen to that. Three non-political questions are next. Inflation surpassing highs we've not seen in, what, four or five decades. J.P. Morgan now saying we're going to have a national average of $6 a gallon of gasoline by August. Folks, the only thing that'll stop it from getting to 10 by the end of the year, winter. I think, I mean, the way things are trending and what they're trying to do to us, six by August, the only thing, the reason we don't get to $10 a gallon by the winter or by the end of the year is winter. I mean, we are, we are seeing economic indicators you know, you and I were very little children the last time we saw anything close to this when we had to invent the term misery index in order to quantify the Carter economy. Um, except that was that that was largely just incompetence. This is a managed decay. This is on purpose. They told us they were going to do this to our energy during the presidential election. They openly said it. Just people are like, nah, they don't mean it. Well, turns out that they did. And that's another reason why you want to talk to our friends over at Bullion Max. They're a direct-to-consumer precious metal retailer that can help you diversify into gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Also, security for your family in times of crisis. They're owned by veterans in the precious metal space. They offer some of the lowest prices on the internet. And right now, for example, you can get uh, their silver starter kit at employee pricing. They can't offer it any cheaper than that. This is what employees, this is the discount they get. Uh, They're offering that to you, including that silver American Eagle and a lot of other popular and also profitable silver products right now. When you go to bullionmax.com slash Steve, the offer is so good. It's limited to just one per household. That's employee pricing on their silver starter kit at bullionmax.com slash Steve. Let's get to three non-political questions. 
I'll have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, three non-political questions. The built-in, on the other hand, of this show every Thursday. A break from the demise and fall of Western civilization. Uh, I was actually, I actually had a different version of this question, and then you guys came in and started arguing about kind of the breaking news in the sports world this morning. Uh, Nick Saban, a few days ago, head coach of the Alabama Alabama Crimson Tide football team, said he need said said he believes we need more parity in college football. Then yesterday, called out uh, one of his former assistant coaches, Jimbo Fisher, now the head coach at Texas A&M, called him out saying every player on their record-setting recruiting class was bought and paid for. Discuss. I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Well, I, I honestly don't know the veracity of that. I haven't taken the time to look into the details on that. But here, listen, this is not, it's a straw man to get in the weeds of these two gentlemen and whatever past they have, whatever their genders are, how dirty both were in the past under the previous system. It, it, it's, it's about, it's all a ruse to cover up what is clearly, and I've told you from the beginning, and I've been right, that name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal are a total joke Everybody now in the sports bro media is like, who said this had to happen because the kids were on the plantation. And they're like, well, I didn't see this coming. I don't know how this happened. What do we do? What do we, it's, this is all pathetic. C.S. Lewis said, if you are off track, it is no good feeling and knowing that you are off that off track and then just meandering off. You have to go back. And that's what nobody understands or cares about because this idol is way too shiny and big and they love it and they won't go back. But just like Jack said on Lost, we have to go back. This, this, it, it's the only way and everything else is a lie. It doesn't matter if uh, uh, Alabama's coach was dirty in the past, if he's trying to do a new gloss on things. He, he said several weeks ago, he said this is unsustainable and he's right. It, so you can hate him all you want. We talk about this on the show. You want Dave Rubin, the other people like that. We, we're in this position now where, hey, if you're right on this issue, you're right on this issue. No respecter of persons. This is about the issue. And nobody can look me in the eye and say this is going well. This is a joke. If you think it's going well, you're part of a cult. I don't disagree with any of that. I just think that letting Nick Saban be the proxy for your righteous indignation is, 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 is respectfully misguided because he created much of the very angst and system, um, that you are railing against right now. I mean, he was bragging last year during training camp that his quarterback, Bryce Young, had an eight or seven or eight figures worth of NIL endorsements before he had played a snap 
That's true. Okay. Nick Nick Saban created this situation. What Nick Saban did. And I say this, by the way, I don't care. I, I, how many times have I said this publicly? I don't care about paying players. I don't care about NCAA rules. It's a corrupt organization. Um, I care about NCAA rules about as much as I care about NIH and CDC guidelines. And how much do I care about those? Not at all. Okay, so I I don't care that uh, a a money laundering scheme known as the NCAA has rules against guys who are literally risking spinal injury and permanent paralysis, if not death, at any point playing a dangerous sport, get paid for it. I don't care. So I I don't say this morally. I don't care that Nick Saban uh, likely and I believe absolutely uh, created financial remuneration to, to accomplish unprecedented levels of dominance in recruiting. I don't care, especially given the results he got. It ain't like he's Jim Kreiner at Iowa State. Okay, he put that program on NCAA probation and they still sucked. I mean, the dude has he he had to still maximize the talents of those players that he got that way. Right. Had to still turn him into players. So in my opinion, the fact that he that I believe he absolutely did it the old fashioned way. Doesn't doesn't take away from his greatness at all. He still had to turn them into developing. He still had to get them to play as a team. He still to keep those guys. I mean, you bring a lot of those kinds of guys and you pay them like that and they're prima donnas. They get into problem stuff off the field. It ain't like, you know, you know, an urban Meyer at Florida where, oh, man, you hate to read the police blotter in the morning. Most of Alabama's kids, you watch them being interviewed and stuff. They're salt of the earth kids. They buy into the process. They buy into the team. So so this is not I'm, I'm saying all that because this isn't some I don't have some misguided moral argument. I don't care. My argument is that Michigan should be doing the exact same thing. Okay, so. Fair? Have I have I made that point enough? Mm-hmm. Okay. That all being said, Saban took the old game and and uh, of of what you, has went went on with a wink and a nod at a lot of places for a long time, especially in the SEC, and he upped the stakes in the ante and created an unprecedented monopoly. What he's really about here, what he's really upset about here, I believe, has nothing to do with the future of the game. That's just beyond laughable. It has everything to do with the fact that Texas A&M used this process to outbid him. A&M has a level of endowment that blows Alabama away. It's one of the richest universities in America. And they finally got themselves an actual real head coach after messing around and not getting a triple-double since R.C. Slocum got run out of there 20 years ago. So A&M's got his ducks in a row. We haven't hired one of Saban's assistants, who, as Jimbo Fisher said this morning, hey, I was on those staffs. I know how we did it. Maybe you may be all on investigate this. And I think what happened is I think Saban is rattled. And he went full Gary Hart yesterday, if you remember that reference. That's when Gary Hart was besieged as he was surging to the front of the Democrat race for president in 1984. He was besieged with rumors that he was um, uh, knocking boots, humping around on his wife. Remember that story when we were kids? And Hart flat out and indignantly dared the media. I am not follow me around and so they did and like a day or two later a week or i don't remember how long ago it was but it wasn't much long much more longer ago they found him out on a boat uh making out with donna rice okay um saban's pissed that now jackson state he mentioned them yesterday with Deion sanders there that they can get a, a kid or two that maybe he wanted his job is getting tougher that's what he's now now there's all kinds of places that maybe in the past, because AM was a school that was frequently targeted by NCA investigators in the old 70s and 80s days of Southwest Conference shenanigans, maybe didn't want to play that game to that degree any longer. 
considers itself a higher standing academic school than a lot of the public universities in the SEC. But now they're like, oh, hell yeah, we're all in. We can do whatever we want. We've got a Notre Dame, Stanford-sized endowment here. Unleash the hounds. And by the way, we're in the same division and we beat Alabama last year with their backup quarterback. I think that's what all this is about. And I think you're seeing uncharacteristically undisciplined Nick Saban. And so now the, the gauntlet's been laid down. And you saw Jimbo Fisher respond that way this morning. Hey, why don't you take a look at, uh, you know, take a look at the stash of rocks over in front of his glass house. This is the system he created. He perfected it. He kicked all of our asses with it. He created the most dominant program, maybe in, in modern American sports history, pro or college. No, we're getting somewhere. This is about jealousy. I think that, and I, and, and, and so the other schools are now doing the same thing and going to try to go over the top rope. I think this is nothing other than a, I don't think anybody has any high point here. This is a, this is a guy that has taken it full advantage of this system and credit to him for it. And then he still had to win with the players he got. That's no easy task. Sometimes it's even harder to get that many good players to play together than it is to kind of create an esprit de corps with a chip on your shoulder. I don't think it detracts from his accomplishments at all, but he did do it. And don't lie to me and claim otherwise. You're a fool. And now other schools are like, all right, we're in and we got more money than you. So here, so we're coming down. Now we're coming. And I think that's what this is about is, is now Saban is concerned that Texas A&M has now set a new bar. Like in the NFL draft. So you, you see a team went out there and play and paid a guy who's a third wide receiver, Christian Kirk, an insane amount of money during free agency. And now all of a sudden the Raiders are offering your Packers the house for Devontae Adams and receivers are getting $25, $30 million a year deals. And on draft day, you saw with that new market, a bunch of NFL teams panic and say, we don't want to pay wide receivers that. So let's trade our guys or go draft rookies that we can keep for cheap for five years. Because why? The wage scale changed. And that's what Jimbo Fisher and AM did this offseason. They reset the market. And maybe it's not a market that will be as easy for Alabama because Alabama doesn't have the money or the booster base that A&M does. Very few schools that play big-time college football in America do. I happen to root for one of them, which is why I'm really pissed off we don't play this game, okay? But that's what I think this is about. I think it's all craven, nothing more, nothing less. I agree with all your points. I just don't think they're applicable in this process whatsoever. I'm, I'm certain. Now, this is all about... Uh, those who are fine turning college football into Vegas and uh, they realize they're part of that and they don't have the stones of the wherewithal to do the right thing to make college football what it's supposed to be. So they're finding straw men to gloss up and play. Yeah, all the people blaming, I mean, most people blaming uh, uh, Alabama's coach can't hold his jock in terms of being able to be uh, uh, a leader of men over and over and over again and crafting the legacy he has. This is all nonsense. Sports media has lost its damn mind. College sports has lost its damn mind. That's what this is about. It is a total distraction for everybody realizing how wrong they really were about name, image, and likeness. And if you roll the tape, I was right about it from the very beginning. This is a farce and a disaster. Uh, one more quick question before we uh, move on. Do you agree with the statement? Do you agree with the statement? College football is suffering because, generally speaking, there's too much money involved. Also, college football can't go away because there's too much money involved. Yes. 
wholeheartedly. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Question number two. Which would be the hardest to deal with? Time traveling 200 years in the past, 200 years in the future, or staying in the present day, but absolutely knowing no one whatsoever. Just kind of a clean reset of your life. Oh, going 200 years in the past, man. It's not even close. No electricity, no running water, no pizza delivery. Going 200 years in the past, not even freaking close. That's not even debatable for me. 200 years in the future, today would be 200 years in the past. So you would, I mean, you would be facing the same thing just on the other side. Yes, but I would be facing it with presumably an advancement of the things or a bettering of many of the things I take for granted. I'm, basically, you're asking me, would I rather be Little House on the Prairie or Buck Rogers? I'd much rather be Buck Rogers. Is, isn't it obvious it's the third one? Isn't it? You're talking Today, about what happened pres- to Spider-Man, right? You don't present, know anybody yeah, you exactly. love? That's it. It's not even close. I can get new people to love. New people can, they oh can find and love me. <laughs> that can happen. There, and there's, there, wow. I'm not alone. He didn't say I was alone in the world. He didn't say I was alone in the world. But you see... You, I took uh, that, isn't it just like Spider-Man? So yeah, you see yeah. the people that you love. Okay, they I didn't don't take the you. question. I took that as a starting over point. Yeah, reset. Basically, reset. Nobody knows who you are. Okay. You yeah. don't know anybody. Nobody knows who you are. Well, that's, that's here's the question, though. When that happened to Spider-Man, he didn't sire children or anything of that nature. All right? So maybe I didn't think about it in depth. So what happens to the kids that I sired? They don't know you. Okay. But they exist? Yeah. Okay. So I, not changing your answer. I, I I might not be as sure about it as I thought I was, but the, the 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 clearly the one I would not even consider is going 200 years in the past. That wouldn't even I would not even consider that whatsoever. That's the worst answer, in my view. That's true. What's wrong with the past? I mean, that's where we get conservatism from. The past. I know, and I love reading about it. <laughs> so you're going with the third Damn. one, Todd. Here in the future, now is the future, and we don't know what a dude is. You know, it's not better automatically just because it's the future. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah, all three of these. You know, you're going to be alone in the world essentially. That's that's what I'm I'm saying. Going to the past, it's going to be harder, but at least you know the people of the past are maybe a, a little bit closer to reality than we are right now. So that would be number one. Uh, for me, with least difficult to deal with. Number two would be the future, because you don't know. I mean, it, it, imagine going from uh, 200 years ago, main methods of transportation is horseback, and now we've got jets. That that type of technical technological leap would be kind of difficult to deal with. And uh, on, on the pace we're going on right now, uh, especially in Western civilization, don't think that would be fun. There's a but, fallacy in your point, though. In all three responses, I go somewhere where nobody knows me. I literally just said that. I know. That's yeah. why I said it again. That's the fallacy of your oh, question. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because uh, in all three places, I go somewhere where somebody, where I go where somebody doesn't know me. Correct. Everywhere. Uh, so I would, I think the diff, most difficult to deal with would be the the current timeline. Okay. Two questions. <laughs> Theology Thursday is next. And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre. Todd Erzin and all of you will be joined at the bottom of the hour. 
Make sure I get it right. Aaron, remind me. Yoram Hazani, correct? Did I get it right? Well done. Yes. I got it right. All right. Yoram Hazani has written a fascinating book looking at what is conservatism now? What is it now? We'll get into that conversation and why it is important. And I've been seeing this new term in the last year or so. Our buddy Josh Hammer uses it a lot as well. National conservatism. What is that? We'll get into that and more coming up at the bottom of the hour. Don't forget that you can email the show, Steve, at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, me, we, Parlor, and Gab. Follow me on Twitter, at Steve Day Show, and get her as well. Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show is where you can go to get clips of the show for free and free of censorship. You can also follow me on Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace, which reminds me, I think I forgot to post there the last two days. Since I can't access it, you know, where, how I post everything else, I, I keep forgetting about it. So at Steve Dace is where you can find us on Truth Social. Also, realestateagentsitrust.com is where you can find and a real estate agent that you can well trust. Uh, and this company was created because Glenn Beck and some of his buddies found out the hard way you can't just take those real estate agent listings for granted. Sometimes they don't walk the walk when it comes to talking uh, or what they talked and said. And Anyway, in these unprecedented times, Bang. make sure you go in to these uncertain president, unprecedented real estate market times with an agent that you can trust as I try to butcher this live read even more. When you go to realestateagentsitrust.com, all right, trust that website, not my grammar and syntax. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right. We are now to the penultimate portion of our grueling, arduous, difficult, precarious study. Can I throw any other words in there that would adequately describe what this has been like? Painstaking, okay, study of Scott Atlas's book, A Plague Upon Our House, my time in the Trump White House trying to save America from COVID stand, basically. Even though there's several more chapters to go, I just made a unilateral decision uh, for which neither one of you put up any fight whatsoever, nor did anybody in this audience for that matter. No give okay. backs, no take backs. That's right. <laughs> hey, don't stiffen your spine on me now, Erzin says. Right? I need don't... that thing flimsy and jellyfish-like right now. We got to get out of this. I, I don't know about you guys, but my brain feels like it's being waterboarded every time we talk about this book. It's, you know why? It's because every conversation we had in 2020 on and off the air and everything we feared on and off the air yeah. was going on over there at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue about COVID in 2020. Does this book just not confirm it and, and, and more, well, right? There's yeah, that, and then knowing all that, Rubbed right in your face. You know, if you were given the opportunity to vote right now to put them back in again, yes. you still would. Yes. That's insane. Yes. Yes. And that has every almost as much to do with what we have right now as what he did when he was yes. in there with, yeah. uh, yes. pre-COVID. Okay. Um, I liked the shows and I want to issue this disclaimer. Okay. I, I, I would much rather do the shows we did in 2017 and 2018. When he did a lot of the stuff, when he actually did a lot of the stuff that I never thought he was ever going to do and was probably just lying about, and he actually did it. And I sat and pondered if I made the dumbest career move of all time but not, but by refusing an offer to get in on the ground floor of the Trump presidency. I, 
those conversations were much more fun uh, than the conversations we have had about the Trump presidency post-COVID. Fair? Your single-tier conversation yes. by yes. I'd much rather be disgusting. Uh, disgusting. Disgusting. It, no, uh, it was. Yeah, yeah that's true. another Freudian slip, George true. W. Bush. You might be wondering, why didn't I comment on that video clip? What can you say about, other than the clip itself? What, there's, that's it, why yes. he rolled it twice. Yes. I mean, it, it's a self-contained analysis, man. But yeah, I'm, I'm much more comfortable discussing what might be the absolute worst career choice any anyone has made in the history of conservative media. It, it, it's it's got to rank up there, don't you think? It has to. Please clap his brother. Okay. That's it. No, I'm, no, I'm not there. talking. I'm talking about me not going. Oh, in. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, and when you look at career choices in conservative media, can you, off the top of your head, name three or four choices that are, on the surface, dumber than me refusing a chance to an offer to get on the the ground floor of the uh, the future Trump presidency? What's dumber than that? And remember how we were when you and I broke it all down. We were oh, like yeah. so convinced it was smart. It was the right play, right? To, to not do it. Yeah, you're so freaking morons. Let's just no. be honest. No. Yeah, we do. We voted. We voted for George W. Bush twice to save America. We're not smart. Let's just be. <laughs> let's just be honest about that. I voted. This is great show branding. <laughs> I've I voted for Evan McMahon. Oh, that's ah. bad. <laughs> Dude, even even as pissed as I was at Trump in 2016, do you remember the night we had Evan McMullen on? Yes. And I was like, no way. <laughs> even I was like, no way. I mean, that guy I couldn't answer questions. No way. Look, look even I little... drew the line at, 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 at the McMuffin or whatever that dude's name was. That's how bad this book is. We are just destroying our own careers in real time right yes, now. Yes, because we'd rather talk yes. about that. Yeah, true. <laughs> that truth doesn't hurt nearly as much. <laughs> And that truth hurts. That truth hurts. Let's light ourselves on fire yes, right now. Like that, that is guy. preferable. That is absolutely preferable to listening to <laughs> a, a, this homily series one more time. <laughs> All right. Oh. But um, we had to cut it short for our own state of mind, even more so than your own. But we're going to do this two more times. Uh, next week, we're going to look at the conclusion of his book, because I think there's some valuable insights to discuss there. But this week, I, I think we have to talk about this chapter. And this is where Trump meets the experts, the real ones, the ones that are actually following data, real data, that are, not, that are unencumbered by an agenda, that have various political, pre, pre-existing political ideologies, by the way. They're, they're just actual scientists. Jay Bhattacharya, Martin Koldorf. These are some of the names you guys heard us quote quite a bit during that period of time, right? Or in some cases, we had even some of these people on. Well, Scott Atlas arranges in this chapter for some of these folks that he's also in contact with constantly to meet the president. First of all, it has to be done in secret. Think about this. It's, it's 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 like a teenager that has to sneak out of the house to go on that uh, go on the date with the guy with the man bun on the motorcycle so mom and dad don't know until they hear the the engine, you know, roaring away from the house. Yeah. I mean, he's the most powerful man on earth and doesn't have control of his own schedule to just sit there and say to his staff, uh, noon, in the middle of the day, bring uh, Jay Padachari in from Stanford. I want to talk to him. 
This has to be done in secret, not to just get around the media, but his own staff, his own task force. And then on top of that, the fact that he did meet with them, the fact that they did share this information with him, means to what level now are the excuses gone for why there wasn't an about face, why they just continued with, but don't, hey, listen, what is worse? Gosh, I'm going to get so depressed again. What is worse? Pretending to not know that none of these people exist and just carrying on with that lie and to justify continuing on the path that you were on or looking them all in the eye, listening to what they have to say, and then continuing on into the, into the path in which you were on. Well, clearly to Debbie Burks, it's the latter because she wouldn't even go into the room. Correct. So let's pick it up from there. And, and, and I wanted us to make sure we discussed this chapter because there is more than a reasonable chance that if we are to survive until 2024 as a people, we are going to have at least a portion of our hopes and dreams invested in him as a counter standard bearer to what we have now, right? So don't we kind of need to know, did we learn anything? Because Trump's done a few rallies since he left the White House, right? Mm-hmm. How many times he said, and you know what, guys? I met this guy in the White House, Jay Bhattacharya, brilliant guy from Stanford, knows his stuff, right? Kind of guys we're going to be appointing next time I run, right? Get rid of that Tony Fauci guy. And we're going to listen to guys like Jay Bhattacharya that are real scientists, don't have an agenda, and love the truth. Let's bring Jay. Hey, give Jay a round of applause here. Have we done that? Mm, no? no? Have we even brought Scott Atlas out to one of our events or even asked? Not that I'm aware of. Well, Steve, maybe they wouldn't come. They don't want to be seen with Trump. Okay. Has he, like, given them a shout-out? Has he mentioned their names? You know what I'm saying? He just keeps talking about the rich Johnson & Johnson Yeah, guys. a guy who, whose jab had to be taken off the market. By the way, there is. Uh, it, this is how bad it's gotten with the Pfizer jab. Are you ready for this? Of course. N- now JAMA, their own corrupted and biased journals, of which JAMA is either number one or number two behind only the New England Journal of Medicine. JAMA just came out with a study that basically showed after a matter of a few months, the efficacy for your teenager for a jab, a jab or a Pfizer jab goes into negative efficacy. Which means exactly what I told you last year. Most of last year, I told you this and they're now admitting it's true. If you sign up for this jab, you are signing up for a never ending sequence of repeated injections, which means whatever you think the current risk profile for the jabs are, and we don't really know because they won't really tell us. We have pieces of evidence from VAERS and other databases and other things we can look at from you know uh, other countries, but we don't have a holistic picture. I can't sit here and tell you right now for sure. We kind of had that with the DMED data, but the Department of Defense made sure to scrub that once some whistleblowers came forth with it. So we don't really have an objective framework for me to tell you specifically for certain what is the risk profile of Trump's jabs. I, don't, I can't tell you that. But here's what I can tell you. Whatever you think it is by the best sleuthing that you can do and the best research that you can do, Whatever you think that rate is, you need to multiply it now. It's a force multiplier. 
because that risk is going to if it if it if it if if the efficacy turns negative after several months they're going to ask you to take them repeatedly in a never-ending fashion you'll be taking these injections over and over again so it's a little bit like when you're playing out in the street first time that happens nothing may occur but with ever ensuing opportunity that you'd go to play in traffic the odds obviously increase that eventually something mm, will. Yeah. So this now makes these things a waning efficacy. Here's the best thing we can say about injecting your children with these things. The best I can tell you is they are a short-term waning efficacy product that also at the same time generates a force multiplier of a risk profile. That is the best thing I can tell you. That's the best Best resume I can give you. Or something you were hardly at risk at anyways in that age. Correct. And so we're talking about just, hey, everybody clear, make a straight path and let's run it back in 24. I, I, forgive me, I don't mind being disliked. I had to move to 11 different schools. I mean, we just did a, a, you know, a question for three questions where I didn't bat an eyelash at having to start all over from everybody that knows me and likes me, not knowing me or liking me. I'm the kid that lived in a basement room to avoid his dad wailing on his mom and his little brother upstairs. I'm used to being a loner. Not, am I saying that's good, by the way? No. No, I'm just saying that's the way I'm wired. I don't need your approval. I don't mind it. So please keep sending it in. But I don't need it. And I will never construct something in order to generate it. Because it doesn't, it's not a requirement for me to get the approval of people. So I will say this to you when a lot of people who make a lot more money than me doing this won't. Because they know better than to say stuff like this. Okay? We can't just sit here and clear a path and run it back without asking a couple of questions like, did you learn from the biggest mistakes that you made that we're still paying for now? So, gentlemen, let's have that conversation. You're up. Don't you feel like on a micro scale within the White House, this is like reading the book of Judges just a little bit? I mean, the book of Judges, you read uh, this judge rose up and ruled Israel for a few years. uh, And then right after they died or he or she died, um, you know, uh, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. One step forward, three steps back constantly throughout that book, seemingly. This last paragraph of this chapter, yet again, instead of assuring, this is after the secret meeting you were talking about, yet again, instead of assuring the public that their president and his, his administration were listening to world-renowned experts, there was almost no publicity from the administration and none from the White House that the event had occurred. No press release, no media no release of any official photos. In the end, I was extremely grateful to see the tweet or two sent out from Secretary Azar's team, something that I had directly pushed for pushed for until they were finally released. Uh, every time, there's like, okay. Every time Atlas is like, okay, we got a breakthrough moment here. It's like the rest of the White House. Okay. Cool story, bro. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tweet that out for you. Uh, yeah, sure. Um... It is like reading the book of Judges because, as Todd has pointed out on numerous occasions, this entire country right now and culture seems like it's the land of the judges right now. So everyone is wise in their own eyes. There's no yep. standard. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is no fixed. There is no fixed standard. And what Scott Atlas found out, and I've done this many times in my own life, 
I need to know first and foremost if they don't know or they just don't want to know. And so, starting with the with the task force meetings, he brought the objective data to find out and learn that Debbie Burks and Mike Pence just didn't want to know for different reasons. Burks had an agenda, and Mike Pence is literally the human embodiment of every of of every pulpit uh, within American evangelicalism that has allowed this country to literally go to hell. I mean, he's beta male walking. So Mike Pence doesn't want to know because he's a son of Adam, just standing there while the serpent does his thing and doesn't want to have to acknowledge what's going on because then he might be provoked to act, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's different. Burks is the serpent acting. And the son of Adam doesn't act. Then he takes it to Trump. Thinks, well, I'll just go over the top rope on all these people, right? I'll go right to the head man. <clears throat> and in this case, what he sees is a kept man. He sees a man that is so imprisoned by his, uh, uh, in a a cell of his own making, by his own staff, by the fear that's gripped his White House, that that Trump is is an Israelite when Moses arrives. I am so used to a paradigm where I just bust out of this I bust out of this west wing a couple times a week to show up at these task force meetings and vent against the media and get things off my chest and then I go back to my office and 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 basically just get thwarted I just get headed off at the pass by my own administration I'm toothless I'm a kept man I'm a prisoner in Egypt and Atlas shows up and gives him the keys Hey break free of those chains Well, we don't want to rock the boat. So here we are. And that is a worldview issue. That is a worldview issue. Israelites could not rise above their worldview either. They had been prisoners of the moment for centuries. They couldn't rise above it. They couldn't see beyond it. And so what God had to do was get them out of there on his own and to a place where he could minister to them apart from where they were slaves. And that's what we're trying to find out right now is Trump is out of there now. So has he been ministered to? Is he thinking it through on his own? Does he understand the mistakes that were made? Has he taken ownership of the... Let me repeat this for the 10,000th time. They stole the election from us. They didn't steal it from him. They stole it from us. They stole the election. But... If I leave all my doors and windows unlocked and opened every day, if someone walks through them without my permission and takes my stuff, are they still a thief? Yes. Am I a moron, though, for leaving everything open and unlocked and unprotected all this time? Yeah. Do I, should I maybe take ownership of that before yes. I replenish those goods? Yes. And realize, you know, if I keep doing it, they're just going to steal it again, right? Yes. They'll just come right back. That's what we're trying to figure out here. And we're looking for evidence of, even even if you want to say, Steve, they're still in the heat of the moment. It's the end of the administration. There's no way they could have made that change. I'll grant all of that. Okay, fine. But what about now? Do you see that evidence right now? Have you seen it in the last year? Or are we just going to run the same routine? 
it's okay. What happens the next time the spirit of the age shows up? Are we going to make better hires? These are the questions that we need to ask right now because there's nothing less than our future at stake. Todd. Well, Burks and so many people out there got drunk on the mantra, if it saves just one life. Well, how noble was that? They were willing to go to lengths of shutting down an entire economy, no matter how many uh, lives that hurt in terms of doing the things that make lives stable and worth living. Uh, Mask indefinitely, and that's still going on right now as we speak, no matter how much data there is to show otherwise. Jab endlessly, and I don't need to repeat what Steve just said, and we've known that for a very long time. That's not new information. All of that. But when shown, okay, life is really important. I'm in with you on that, like Scott Atlas was. But how about this? And I brought in a bunch of other really, really smart scientists to say, maybe there's just an easier way. And she wouldn't even go in the room and listen. That's the most important thing about this slog through this book to understand. She would not go in there because she knows how obvious it would be that the emperor has no mm-hmm. clothes. Mm-hmm. It's Chuck Schumer not taking Tucker Carlson's invitation the other day. You run from a fight that you know you cannot win. Yeah. So we're left living in a country that demands what Scott Atlas did in this chapter when he's been planning this thing and these guys are getting out here and these, you know, these are, these, these are doctors at elite institutions who normally to talk with them, meet with them, you'd have to wait for whatever reason. They were willing to just basically come to the white house and sit on hold in a green room for the second they could get in. They believe so much in this cause she wouldn't hear it and fi- and scott atlas i he's clear he's a man who doesn't suffer fools and he did his best for as long as he could when they kept delaying canceling what have you he said no this is not happening over my dead body you're gonna get us in that room and then when he got in that room he had a lot of time way more time they offered now and then you have to go to where steve said did anything happen that's all but in this world in this moment and it is fraught with risk and uncertainty but you must at all times be what Scott Atlas did because we are post-argument. You simply must command the situation at all times and all places. I wish there was an easier way than that, mm-hmm. but there there simply isn't. You, they are going to lie, cheat, and steal, and there's no reason to expect amongst people with no moral code that something like common sense or decency would kicked in. As a Christian, if you're thinking that at all, why? What about your faith teaches you that? Our faith teaches us the opposite. The incentive is to lie, cheat, and steal in more and more brazen ways. So, when Scott Atlas did that, I actually had had an epiphany. Like, I honestly don't have a frame of reference. It it, it felt like this book where I was reading it in Methuselah years. 
So I, I just checked the dates. Do you know that happened? He was it, five weeks. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it seem like he was there for five years? Yeah. Five weeks. Certainly seems like that reading his book. Yeah. Ugh. I think you made a very important point a minute just during that. Um, rant. Rant. Yes. I didn't want to denigrate it because I loved every word of it. But hey, I'm yeah. a Dennis Miller fan. You can. But, but that's what it yeah. was. What's the number one thing we can be right now, given the times in which we live? And, if, you know, and, it, and, and in fact, this is really the proper hermeneutical, exegetical response to what Aaron just made with the reference he made about the time of the judges. Mm-hmm. The number one thing we can be right now is truth tellers. That's the number one thing we can be. That's more important than an outcome. Mm-hmm. That's more important. I mean, if you're sitting around trying to game plan in the state of Pennsylvania, what will win and what won't? When you're the state that gave us the deciding vote for Obamacare, you're the state that gave us the artist formerly known as Dick Levine. Um, you're the state that gave us Jerry Sandusky. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Uh, your state doesn't, you don't, it doesn't need your game plans and schemes right now, bro. That's not what your state needs. I'm not saying there's never a time for game plans and schemes. I'm not saying that. I mean, there's a whole book about it in the Bible about a game plan and a scheme. It's called Ruth. Boaz game plans and schemes. That's the, and he's the hero of the story at the end for doing so. There is a time and a place for game planning and scheming. Okay. This though, if if we're living in the kinds of times that Aaron is talking about now, you might think Aaron's metaphor is incorrect. And if you do, well, then we would listen. But if we are living in a time of the judges sort of time, schemings to count and, 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 and plans to count to counter schemes and other plans ain't going to cut it. Because eventually you're going to run into that, that sort of old-fashioned conservative argument of, well, I don't want to violate my principles to oppose. You see where I'm going with this? Yes. So, so I will follow the oomph of the, of the spirit of every syllable of what I believe to show my moral superiority while they just rape, pillage, and plunder my way of life with no regard. You can't out-scheme schemers. You can't do it. This is a time to be Israel, not Jacob. Jacob's me- name, by the way, literally means schemer. That's what it means. And what does he do? He schemes his brother out of his birthright. Now, his brother had to agree to be schemed. Esau had to be so craven and so carnal that he had to agree to sell his birthright for a bowl of food. But when the time comes now for Jacob to become the scion of a new covenant, a new way of life, a a community that will be a light to all nations, he's given a new name, Israel. We aren't going to Jacob our way out of the time of the judges here. We have to Israel our way out of the time of the judges here. Where we're wrestling with God, not with the things of men. We won't out-scheme them. 
take it from me. I worked on the campaign. We got our asses kicked by Trump's ability to scheme and to plan. He's a master planner and a master schemer. But when he came face to face with the real master of schemes and plans, that whole house, that thing looked like a house of cards and fell apart. I guess this is another way of me asking, does Donald Trump know what time it is? What kind of cosmic stakes we're really playing for here? Does he understand that on any level? Because if you don't understand that after what they did to you with COVID, and you don't understand what they did that how, after what they did stealing the election from you, then I, I don't I don't know I, I I shudder to think what else they would have to right. how, they would have to do to us as a people to get him to see what time it is. It is not 2016. A lot has transpired since then. And we need to find out right now if he understands that. More in a moment. All right, let's get to it. The name of the book, it is called Conservatism, A Rediscovery. Yoram Hazani is its author. And we are pleased to have him join us here today on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Joram, my name is Steve Dace. How are you, man? Hello. Good to be on. I want to begin with a term that I have seen bandied about uh, a lot over the last year. Uh, A good friend of our program, uh, Josh Hammer over at Newsweek, uses and identifies with this term, national conservatism. What is that? Well, you may have noticed that that uh, the folks calling themselves conservatives in in government and public life in America and uh, in in other democratic countries for about the last thirty years have uh, have been attached to an idea of um, what you, what they call liberal internationalism or or or, or uh, liberal world order. The the concept was that after the fall of communism, after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, Americans and Europeans had this uh, great idea about how to free the entire world by by imposing a kind of a, a worldwide administration, um, uh, which expressed itself sometimes in invading foreign countries like uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, and sometimes in bombing other countries, but in general in trying to coerce the whole world into, in, into this kind of uh, uh, liberalism. A lot of these people actually called themselves conservatives, and uh, those 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 people who uh, resist this this uh, this this plan, uh, in order to distinguish ourselves, we called ourselves national conservatives in order to emphasize that, like the more traditional conservatism, that we're interested in a world of independent nations. Mm. And of course, given that we live in a world where there is not. For example, like when I was growing up, I'm a child of the 80s, and it took me a while to get out of this mindset, Yoram, uh, pardon my French, of we're America, bitch. That was kind of my mindset growing up as a kid from the Reagan 80s, right? You know, Um, and but 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 even before the emergence of Trump, I had to I had to look at the mission creep in Afghanistan. I had to look at 
the ultimately, I, like I didn't really think we were truly honest about bringing freedom and democracy to Iraq. I thought we were just using it as a talking point to create what basically amounted to a pro-American state that gave us a beachhead within the Middle East to hit our opponents should they ever try a 9-11 ever again, only to find out about five years into it, oh snap, we are really actually going to try to bring freedom and democracy to Iraq. This is going to be a disaster, and it turned out to be maybe the worst foreign policy escapade in all of American history and and I had to be I had to live through those experiences to sort of shake myself from my you know child of the eighties America versus the the Soviet bloc and that's not this evil is much more decentralized now uh, so we probably need to be and more nationally focused now as a result I kind of hear some of those echoes with you and so when you see the vote just five minutes ago eighty six to eleven in the U S Senate to send $40 billion to defend the borders of Ukraine, while at the same time that body has done literally nothing uh, in order to stop uh, outsourcing our own borders to drug cartels and human traffickers, you think what? Well, I I, I think, and I've, 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 I've written, I think that the, the uh, uh, America's foreign policy focus, uh, do, you know, does not need to be only internal. You know, internal to America's borders. I mean, I agree with you completely that that you know that it's catastrophic to 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 not care about America's borders and 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 not enforce them. But America does need to concern itself with with uh, with uh, with defending itself also in the long term. I, I think that the 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 main problem with the focus on Ukraine. Is that uh, Russia is not the main uh, the the main rival overseas? China is. China is about ten times the problem that Russia is, and unfortunately, um, uh, uh, American governments and governments in general are not actually very good at multitasking, even though we pretend that they are. Uh, so th- I uh, uh, I think that that you, uh, Russia is a security threat, but it's primarily a security threat to Europe. And uh, so uh, we we had a few weeks ago a national conservatism conference uh, in Brussels, um, where where the, the the main point was, uh, your European countries have a very large, I mean they they have a very large economy which is multiple times the size of Russia's, but they don't arm themselves, they don't they don't defend themselves. That and and the 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 idea that the United States should should continue to concern itself with the defense of Europe um, is absurd, both because it infantilizes the Europeans. It turns them into into children who aren't mm-hmm. able to defend. You know, they don't invest in their own armies and they're not able to defend themselves. And then something happens and they look to America. America needs to refocus. It, it can't be everywhere. The idea that America can be everywhere is absurd. It's absurd, but it's been disproved in practice. And America has one foreign policy goal, and that's to deter China from 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 uh, from, from becoming the the world's hegemon. But I don't I don't think that 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 requires uh, uh, American arm, armed forces to be everywhere. Um, you mentioned Ronald Reagan. People don't don't remember that that the the actual Ronald Reagan, not the one in our like imagination, he never invaded anything larger than than uh, the island of Grenada. Grenada, which is, right. 
yeah. right close to America's shores. So I, I don't actually think the problem begins with with Ronald Reagan. I think the pro the problem begins with with George H. W. Bush declaring the new world order and saying, you know, for a hundred generations mm -hmm. we've you know we've struggled in order to bring to 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 bring the the rule of law instead of the rule of the jungle to the world, as though that's America's job. I've often defined, Yoram, I've often defined conservatism on this show as not an ideology as much as an observational science. What has history and then history's ultimate conductor architect revealed to us through the ages that is good, true, and beautiful for the human condition east of Eden, and then we would be wise to reflect that and conserve that, that the a definition of a word is what his root word means. And the definition of conservatism is conserve. And so we should seek to conserve those things that have been revealed to be true, good, and beautiful for human flourishing east of Eden, and then discard and oppose those things which have proven not so. What are your thoughts on that as a definition? I, 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 I could not agree with you more. And if you don't mind bringing, bringing in... Uh, an expert a little bit bigger than me, uh, uh, Edmund Burke himself in Reflections on the Revolution in France uh, s says that polit politics has to be an experimental science. He says exactly what you just said, that it's 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 a matter of uh, of many generations of uh, of effort on the part of each nation. Each nation figures out different things. We look to see what works and what doesn't work. <laughs> and we, j just like we can see that what we're doing right now uh, in America and Europe is not working. Uh, conservatives are uh, exactly as you say about um, uh, identifying what what works, what brings the goodness, and uh, where necessary, restoring things that used to work that have ceased to work. What's the biggest challenge you think we have right now? The year 2020 was a uh, you know unmistakable watershed in the history of America and. And, and democratic nations, I'd say. Um, from about the 1960s, uh, the, the ruling ideas in America uh, were, were liberalism, were, were individual liberty and individual equality. Um, uh, some problems with with that rule of liberalism, like uh, like the fact that, uh, that, that God and Bible were banned from the schools that I think uh, set America in the wrong direction. But liberalism wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, it turns out, but it was uh, incapable of preventing the worst thing in the world, which is what, what we're watching now, the, 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 the takeover of uh, almost, you know, all, all, most of the important uh, institutions in America by woke neo-Marxism. And you could say, well, you know, liberals basically had one job to do, which was, was uh, they didn't claim to be conservatives. They didn't claim to be conserving anything, but they had one job to do, which was, was to, to, to prevent uh, Marxists and, 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 and uh, other totalitarians from taking over. And that's failed. So at this point, we, I think we understand fully, if we didn't before, that liberalism is not strong enough to be able to fight a force, a force like what is, what is hitting America and, and uh, right now, uh, in 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 my new book, what I propose is that that uh, the only thing that's likely to be strong enough is going to be something that's uh, that, that's based on biblical traditions. It's going to have to hmm. involve a, uh, a a a restoration of uh, of uh, Christianity to uh, uh, to public life in America, at least in those places where there's still a majority that's willing 
uh, you know, w willing to experiment with that, it's very difficult to see any other force that, uh, that, that is going to be able to fight this off. It's funny you should go there because I find myself, and I, if I, when I started doing this full time for a living 15 years ago, I might have said these things privately or in exchanges with people who were like-minded, but the idea that I would go on the air and, and use the term demonic as part of my everyday vernacular or analysis of situations, I just didn't envision that it would be that blatant and that obvious or even accepted by an audience to use that in my nomenclature, and yet the cosmic stakes that we see playing out all of the time, it just seems trite to refer to it as liberalism or Democrats. I, I, I just think that's a talking point from another generation. That, that These are cosmic level debates, and I find myself using cosmic level terminology more than ever before in my own discussing of them. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's fair. Um, uh, uh, Jews don't usually, I, I'm Jewish, and Jew, Jews don't usually use the word demonic, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you what we do say is, is idolatry. Yes. Um, yeah. people, are, people are sacrificing their children yeah. to this ideology. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're not, they're not yet, yet killing them, but they're clearly destroying their lives. And and if you want to understand, you know what, what you know what what was scripture all about? It was it was uh, putting an end to the idea that, that that human beings should sacrifice their children to some crazy idea that they had. Right on. I mean, that's idolatry is, a, is another one of those cosmic terms we use on this show quite a bit. I think I have tweeted the graphic of Malokian worship uh, on my Twitter account about 50 times in the last month because I don't know how else to explain some of this stuff. I, I mean, I, I would love to give some sort of William F. Buckley, you know, interpretation political you know political science breakdown of these events but there's nothing political or scientific about this it's it this is religious zealotry of a of a spirit of the age uh, or an idolatry as you put it that's what we're up against it it, it is and uh, look it's it, it it's incredibly harsh to watch and and uh, um incredibly depressing if you think that there isn't anything you can do. I actually, in my book, I propose that there is something that we can do, um, but but it's not going to be easy. People have to understand, as you just said, that this 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 is a religion. It's a powerful religion. It 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 wants to control all of American society, and then it's going to go, and then it's it, it's going to want to control the world. And uh, you can only fight something this powerful. You can only fight a religion with a religion. You can only mm. fight an idea with an idea. And um, that's that's not just a matter of public policy. I mean, I I I I, I do think it's important that uh, that we talk about conservative policies like. Uh, uh, like returning uh, God and Bible to, to to schools where it's possible to do that, but just as important as conservative policies is is that uh, Americans and, and and basically people in democratic countries have <clears throat> excuse me have lost the the sense of what it means to be a conservative person to lead a conservative life. In other words, to to lead the kind of life that uh, would would transmit these you know the 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 these great and good things from the past mm -hmm. to future generations and you know it, it's it it's a, it's a difficult 
uh, thing to say to somebody who's grown up in a world where people just say, look, it's all about freedom. Just do whatever you want, whatever makes you feel good. Um, all choices are basically equal and you know, you sh it's up to you. We, we do need to move from that kind of society to a society that focuses on what do you do in order to make sure that the great and the good and the true is handed down Amen. and, and, yep. and and continues be, to be encouraged. And I don't, I'm not talking about like authoritarianism, like right. you have to dictate to people. I'm, I'm saying that- A way of life, to, customs, yeah. Right, a way, a way of life yeah. that gives guidelines. People call them guardrails. They used to be called traditions. And these guardrails, they, they give you a common sense so that you, you know, so that, that you know, okay, uh, common sense. You know, the, the, this 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 child is six years old. This you you wouldn't allow this this child to to you know to buy a house or drive a car. How are you going to like allow this child to decide you know whether they're a man or a right woman? On. Right on. Right? They don't know what either of those things are. Right. Have you ever have you ever met a six year old? No. You know so. No. So I mean, this is something important. People people talk about reason, and you know, all of us love good reasoning, but reason is guided uh, when it, when it's good. It's it 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 starts it as a starting point, and that starting point um, is is handed down by tradition um, and by by national religious traditions. And when you tell everybody, look, there's no need to, for tradition because you can, you know, everybody can just reason and everything will be okay. So then you don't have an answer when people say, well, you know, I exercised my reason and I figured out that, you know, that the, 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 there's multiple genders. Right. I mean, these people, these people are tenured professors, you know, who are, who are making this stuff up. And you can, you can't tell, you can't say they're not, they're not reasoning. You can only say that their their reasoning is leading them to to to, to horrific evil conclusions. And and if if people are not willing to, as you said, to to use the language of of look, there's some things that are just true and false. There's some things that are just evil and good. If you're not if you don't have a uh, an inheritance that lets you talk like that and think like that, that, then everything becomes equal, and and evil is just as good as good. And 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 look, here we are. Amen. We, we, we don't have the resources to fight. So look, the resor those resources, we're going to have to, we are going to have to go back to scripture. We're going to have to go back to, uh, to, to, to Christianity. That's very well said. Uh, name of the book, Conservatism of Rediscovery. Yoram Hazani, he was on a roll, man. Did not interrupt that. Won't interrupt that, even though we're up against the uh, end of the show. Phenomenal work, Yoram. Thank you for joining us, brother. We just scratched the surface of it, folks, if you want to get the book for yourself. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. God bless. Thank Take care. You. Thank you very much. God bless you. You bet. All right, that'll do it for today's program. We're going to stick around and do the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow. And until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.